I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and Sirius XM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and Sirius XM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the best of the Roto Experts in the morning. This Roto Experts exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Draft Package is live. I'm talking about the Kings rankings. I'm talking about the All In Kid Jake Seeley's rankings, who, by the way, was just rated literally the best fantasy ranker in the business literally okay so you're gonna get that you're gonna get all sorts of great articles you're gonna get yourself uh like the generator you put your kind of format in and it'll give you customized tiers it is really the best place to get ready for fantasy football this year so you can win your leagues and win that cash and If you're a Le'Veon Bell owner, like I am, okay, in my dynasty leagues, the issue I've had before with um, him holding out is that I worry about, like, weeks one and two of the season, you know, like that he gets off to a slow start. And that did happen a couple of years ago. Do you have any feel? Like, what do you think is the value of training camp for a veteran like Lev Bell? I hear in baseball that these guys, you know, hate it halfway through spring training. How important is training camp? How important is the preseason for a guy like – uh, Le'Veon Bell, or even if he does hold out, do you expect him to hit the ground running, pun, in, pun uh, you know, included and meant uh, in the early part of the season? Would that give you any concern? It really depends on the player. And, you know, Le'Veon Bell is simply the best all-around running back in fantasy football. Not every game is going to be spectacular for every player, though, whether it's the first fourth, seventh, or what. So as long as he's there close to opening week, uh, I'm really not concerned about it. If somebody wants to drop him down the board to me, it's number two or number three, welcome it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure you're still drafting him, you know, in the top three. I'm just wondering, like, generally speaking, does this matter to you that he's missing the time and we'll have to no, kind of, like, it ramp do- up? It doesn't. Absolutely, it doesn't. absolutely. Roto experts in the morning. This is Sergio Romo and the King, Scott Angle. Scott Angle here with veteran fantasy football player Sergio Romo of the Rays. Sergio, how long, how long have you been playing and how many titles do you have? Uh, let's see. Uh, I mean, I came into uh, the league. See, I think I started about 2008, 2009. I started playing. And then uh, I, I, I think I'm uh, three, t- three titles in I had with the Giants. I had three uh, three. Uh, Fantasy football titles, also with the Giants, is what I meant. You've won it all with it, with with everything. What's what's it, it's obvious, but I like to hear it in your own words. What's the difference between winning a real championship and a fantasy championship? Uh, uh, I mean, bragging rights to the world in comparison to bragging rights to your team. Uh, I think that's that's uh, 
I mean, from, from the joking matter, you know, and from the joking side of things, you know, uh, it, it gets a you talk a little smack to my teammates or whatever, and then it's it's, it's a good thing to uh, to win a fantasy league uh, championship. I mean, it's you own them, you know. What I mean, what, what can you say? You ended up on top, you know. Uh, but the uh, obviously the different the big difference is one is real, one is fake. Uh, but then again. There's a prize to win also in fantasy football, so that that's definitely real. So uh, either way, it's 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 fun both both ways. So I understand you're the commissioner of the Rays Clubhouse League. Is it a thankless job? <laughs> it really is a thankless job. Um, I'm over here commissioning. Go figure. Uh, but uh, it is what it is. I mean, it's fun to be commissioner at times, you know. Uh, but then again, you know, I mean. Once you got good guys in the league, guys, you know, run a simple, you know, sturdy league, you know, and uh, one they could trust, and it, it becomes fun, you know, it really, and plus, I like giving a platform so from, uh, for some extracurricular fun, too, in that. <laughs> Do people, like, ever, like, raise an eyebrow when the commissioner makes a trade? Uh, no, 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 we, 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 give, we give the league an opportunity to veto if they want, you know, so, uh. We give everybody an opportunity to veto. So uh, everyone has an opinion. Everybody's opinion matters in our league. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of straightforward, and uh, you got something to say, you got something to say, you know what I'm saying? So uh, we're, <laughs> we kind of, like I said, there, there's a platform for some extra things like that. So uh, it, it, makes it, it makes it a fun league. All right, since you're an experienced guy, I'm going to give you some of my tougher on-the-clock questions. You know, some of the other guys I was asking stuff like Carson Wentz versus Sean Watson and Saquon Barkley versus Alvin Kamara. But let's, let's go a little deeper with you. At quarterback, who would you rather pick if you on the clock between Jared Goff and Patrick Mahomes and why? Oh, wow. Ooh. Uh, well, I would go with uh, Jared Goff on that one. Uh, the offensive line is a little, uh, it's, it's, it's a little more established, and uh, they, they, they did boost the line, too. They got some uh, extra weapons on the side for Goff. And plus, I mean, with the running game secured for sure and the, the huge dump-off option, too, you know, on the pass plays uh, with, uh, oh, my goodness, oh, Gurley. I yeah. mean, that's, yeah, I would definitely go Goff on that one. Running back, Joe Mixon of the Bengals or Kenyon Drake of the Dolphins? Uh, I'm going Joe Mixon. I think uh, last year he he had an opportunity to establish himself, and towards the end of the season he started to do a little bit better uh, in doing that. So uh, I think he's hungry. I think he's going to come at him. And plus, uh, I mean, I mean, you got there's there's other names out there too with the Bengals. I mean, weapons there too that they got to worry about. So uh, I think uh, Joe Mixon hungry. Wide receiver, Tyreek Hill versus Stefan Diggs. I'm taking Stefan Diggs on that one. When you're lining up a, on the opposite side of uh, Adam Thalen and, uh, or Thalen lines up in the slot next to you or you're in the slot next to Thalen, I mean, I'm telling you, it's just uh, they got to pay attention to Thalen too. Plus, Diggs, he got wheels, he got hands, he's a good route runner. I mean, yeah, he's. I would go Diggs on that one. Jack Doyle or Kyle Rudolph? <laughs> I mean, Kyle, you would think Kyle Rudolph. I would pick Kyle Rudolph on. Oh, uh, you know what? I'm gonna pick Kyle Rudolph on that one. I mean, look at the. I just mentioned Diggs and I mentioned uh, uh, Thalen. So I think this is uh, that offense is it, it, extremely impressive. And plus, they're getting Dalvin Cook back. I mean, holy cow! Like, yeah, I'm gonna go Kyle Rudolph on that one. Yeah. Who's your favorite NFL team? Uh, I'm a Los Angeles Rams fan uh, from from the childhood. They get they get sent to St. Louis. I gotta still root for them, but uh, I've, I'm, I'm a San Francisco Niners fan. So you're both? No, I grew up a Rams fan. I get, I moved to San Francisco. Right. I love San Francisco. San Francisco's been good to me. 
kind of inherited the Niners, started following them too. Like I said, I was 12 years old when the Rams left St. Uh, L.A. for St. Louis, and uh, I wasn't too happy when they did that. So uh, let's just say I, I stayed on the West Coast. How excited are you about Jimmy Garoppolo and this new offense? <laughs> I tell you, uh, I think it, the, the offense, it's a, it's a little, how do you say, it has, uh, it has more risk. Than, than it normally does in the passing game. I think uh, I think uh, them too, they get getting uh, McKinnon. I think that's going to help him out. You know, uh, McKinnon's a proven back. He can catch the ball in the backfield. He's a decent pass blocker. You know, he's definitely a, th- a third, you know, uh, a three-down back in my eyes. I think he did that really well. He established himself last year. As so, um, and plus, I mean, young weapons. I mean, they, he's got young weapons uh, and hungry weapons too, I think. So, uh, yeah, I'm 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 looking at I'm looking at the line too. The line's better. They they improved the offensive line too. So uh, defense definitely got better in the draft. So I mean uh, it's it's I mean yeah. I mean I, yo I even forgot about that yeah. right. So I mean it's it's gonna be a better team that's for sure. So not that you ever played fantasy baseball or how it works, but since you're I can hear you're a savvy fantasy football player. I have used one of my fantasy baseball closers. I hear that. When you're when. When you're the waiver wire pickup instead of the guy going to the waiver wire and somebody's got you on their fantasy baseball team, how much do you take it as a compliment because you play fantasy sports? No, I, I mean, it definitely makes me feel pretty good. You know, it, uh, it, uh, it's a good feeling when people like yourself, you walk through, hey, you're on my fantasy team. That's what's up. Keep up the good work. I'm kind of looking like, hey, thanks for the points. I'm like, looking at the points. Oh, that's right. You know, stuff like that. So, like, uh, the kid in me, the fan of baseball in me, you know, like, I. Like, I'm a fan of fantasy sports also, so, I mean, uh, I'm thankful for that. I mean, it does, it does thank you, uh, definitely make you feel pretty good about yourself. Big weekend for Jake. When I talked to him on Friday, he said he was going to see Ant-Man and the Wasp. So I got to ask you, Jake, as we get started here on a Monday, what was better this weekend, Ant-Man or the Wasp, or the feeling when you realized that you were Fantasy Pro's number one rated ranker taking the title and all the praise that comes with it? Congrats on that. How you doing, Jake? I'm doing good. I mean, I knew about that for the before the weekend, so uh, that, that, you know, yeah, I can enjoy both of them. You can enjoy both of them, but it's got to feel good. You know, I know you put in a lot of work, Jake, and to have that be recognized, not only recognized, but I guess like celebrated as proven true, Jake is the number one ranker in fantasy football, and that is another reason why you need to go out and get the Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package because if you want the best rankings in the entire industry, they belong to our guy, the all-in kid. I am honored to to have him as a part of our team but uh did it surpass the joy of ant-man and the wasp jake no that's what i was saying i, I, <laughs> I think i think both are good both are really good okay fair enough fair enough that's good i just i do want to ask you though jake um how do they actually evaluate these things you know how do they what's their formula to see do they just like take your projections and then put them up against the actuary at the very end and like have some formula to figure out what the variance was or the delta was at each position how do they actually come to that no it's they don't they don't do projections they do rankings they did everybody's rankings from the industry and how accurate it's i don't know how to and then at the end of the season yeah, you have to go to you have to go check out on their website to understand it because it's not okay. just if you rank somebody one and they finished one. It's more complicated than that. It's 
That, that, like I said, you just got to go there. Yeah, there's got to be some kind of formula for like how far you are off and rank waiting and stuff yeah. like that. But I guess the one other basic question before you don't have to go down the rabbit hole with it, Jake, is how do they do they assume a specific kind of scoring or did they do a composite of like when you do PPR and standard and half point and that all goes into a pot together? Oh, uh, no, it's non PPR scoring. Okay, it's based on just, like, the standard ranks per se. Because, like, I yeah. mean, they could have a formula, like you're saying, that's complicated. But another layer of that can be do it with everybody's standard ranks and with everybody's PPR ranks. And then that's just, like, another layer to the formula, another calculation to get the ultimate output. But however they arrive at it, when it popped out of the widget machine, our guy, Jake Seeley, the all-in kid, was number one. So congrats again, Jake. You know, helping add credibility to Roto Experts in the morning. And all the more reason you guys need to go on over and get that package. Enter the promo code All In Kid for your special discounts. I got to tell you though, Jake, Scotty was very particular in hour number one. Everybody has to use the promo code The King. Hmm, that's fine. He wasn't okay. number one, so <laughs> fair enough. One of the guys that I'm mentioning, there was some buzz this weekend. But again, as we know, this is, you know, everybody in the best shape of their life. Everybody's going to break out. Beat reporters are predicting a breakout season for Arizona Cardinals tight end Ricky Seals-Jones. Now, Jake, I know this is like we're already dancing at this party. We've already had cocktail hour at this party. We're already dipping our chips in the guac at this party, okay? I understand we have been there. Um, And now other people are predicting kind of this breakout for Ricky Seals-Jones. The way I want to ask you about it. Last week, Jake, we talked about how, again, conceptually, you know, speaking, we wait on quarterback, we wait until it comes to you, and there's like this group of, there's like this wide tier of people we would be comfortable and happy with at the quarterback position. We've mentioned names like Wentz and Rivers and Stafford and the like. We set that aside. I'm making the comparison to the tight end position, which you've also said may not be exactly the same, but is similar where you have that kind of elite talent. You have that middle tier of like name brand guys. And then, I don't know, call it tight end, maybe eight all the way tight, tight end all the way. I don't know, maybe 15. It's kind of what I call the Baskin Robbins tier, Jake, right? Different flavors for different people. Depends on what you kind of like. And we believe Ricky Seals Jones is going to potentially be in that tier. My question for you, Jake, is this one, how big of a breakout do you expect for Ricky Seals Jones? But more importantly, how big is that quote unquote Baskin Robbins kind of tier for the tight ends? I call it say tight end eight to 15. How big big is that tier and are you comfortable getting whatever flavor tight end falls to you within that tier a la the Baskin Robbins uh, analogy if, if you don't get one of the first five I'd say that's pretty much what most people are going to end up with and that's why I don't have a problem drafting two tight ends this year and casting one aside in the first two weeks when you need a waiver pickup I mean if you want to take the problem with the Trey Burton thing is people are pushing him near that top mm-hmm. I would actually go like you know like you said maybe eight is a good number, but I mean, the top five or actually the top three would be the one. And then the top eight, that's a clear idea. Right. But the point being is like, you know, you can live with one of those. If you got Kyle Rudolph, I'm not drafting a second tight end. It's more of if I miss one of those and now I'm deaf to death, draft a Jack Doyle and mm-hmm. a Ricky Seals Jones or a Vance McDonald and a David Njoku or something like that. It's just the fact that, yeah, they could break out. But at the same time, there's certainly a case where they're just the same 
non-existent fantasy tight end that I had last year. So you draft two at the end of the draft. I mean, most of the running backs and wide receivers on the board at that point are pretty much in the same territory of they could break out or not have any value at your team whatsoever. Like if you want the Sean Jackson or Ricky Seals Jones, I mean, either way is fine by me. Right. So to recap, correct me if I'm wrong, Jake, but you're saying there is that elite group at the top, right? The Ertz, Kelsey, and obviously Rob Gronkowski. Then, and depending on your, your, your rankings, right, this, could, this next tier could have four, maybe five tight ends in it. That's why we're talking about the Olsons, the Ingrams, the Rudolphs, the Delaney Walkers, those guys who are not elite, but when you, if you are going ahead and getting them, you don't necessarily need the risk of drafting, say, the second tight end. When you get after that, when we're talking about the Burtons, when we're talking about the Kittles, when we're talking about the Ricky Seals Jones and others that we've talked about, you're okay with them because they have as good of a chance to pop as any. You keep on mentioning, right, the idea of like 50 catches, 550 or 600 yards and five touchdowns. That will get you ultimately when all is said and done in back end tight end one rank. So you, you pick, you take your shot, but you're just recommending if you're at that level to go ahead and at some point in the draft take two shots so you have the better chance of finding the one that actually does take that step and wind up at back end tight end one. Is that correct? Yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. Our question is, which of these quote-unquote theories or myths do you believe in most? Is it avoiding running backs over the age of 30? Is it that you wait on quarterback in drafts? Is it that tight end is actually a deep position or something else? Let us know. Right now, 64% Jake say wait on quarterbacks in drafts is a bigger thing to follow even over than avoiding running backs over the age of 30. What do you think about this, Paul, Jakey? Uh, I, th- I think it all just, I mean, it obviously depends on what your draft is and everything like sure. that. But, I mean, wait on quarterbacks, I mean, we know that at the point. But I think the article was his point that that's a myth and that sometimes you yeah. don't need to wait. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later on for sure, a little bit later on in the show here on Roto Experts in the Morning. If you want to join the party and you want to ask some questions, let us know. The number to call is 844-843-6879. Jake, that running backs over 30 is interesting. I saw a piece of news down there in Miami yesterday where uh, head coach Adam Gaze is saying that Frank Gore's age is quote-unquote irrelevant, okay? I think he's entering his age 35 season, <laughs> if you want to know the truth. My question for you is, Jake, do you still think Gore is relevant? What do you think this Miami running back room shakes out to be? Because quite frankly, Jake, I'm pissed off because to me, all this does is take a little bit of shine off the rose that is Kenyon Drake. I was really excited about Drake. I thought the Dolphins were as well. And now we could have a little bit more of competition in that running back room what's your thoughts jake no there's not much left for frank or frank didn't do much last year and there's mm. no it's not gonna all of a sudden he's gonna do more with miami just because he's on a different team so no I, i'm not concerned about it at all if anything it's the dolphins though they don't want to use Kenyon drake as a workhorse it's obvious they've had their opportunities it's similar to jarek mckinnon when we talk about coming from the vikings and the fact that he comes off huge games, and they still won't give him the ball more. So for whatever reason, we don't know necessarily what it is. Maybe they don't think he can handle it. Maybe they've seen it and don't think he can handle it. Uh, the fact is he's not going to be somebody who's going to carry the ball 20-plus times every single week. He'll still be the lead option in that team and on that. But uh, the fact is if Kalen Ballage is involved and right. Frank Gore is involved, I mean, you're just talking about somebody who's like similar to McKinnon, you know, 12 to 18 touches per week, which are fine as maybe an RB2. But, you know, that's that's just what you're going to have to deal with. Fair enough. Hey, Jake, when you said um, 
do you think Kenyon Drake is also in that mold of backs that the team doesn't want to expose them too much for wear and tear because, you know, like the Chris Thompsons, let's say, or the Alvin Kamaras, because they don't want to lose some of that explosiveness that they possess? Is the same Does the same narrative fit for Kenyon Drake? Uh, he's bigger, so I don't think so. I, I don't. Okay. I don't. Again, I said I, don't, I have no idea why the team doesn't want to use him more than they do. Yeah, and, and they go on out and invest in Frank Gore to uh, you know compliment him at least. We'll see how that uh, we'll see how that running back room shakes out. Don't forget also, as Jake notes about the rookie Kellen Balage, who could be interesting. The other piece of news that I saw, Jake, we're gonna uh, we're gonna speculate a little bit. Um, Demarco Murray or his agent was on a podcast with Adam Schefter, and he said that four or five teams have been in contact with him. Now, listen, about oh, I don't know, two weeks ago maybe at this point. When the Mark Ingram news came down, the Saints tried out a number of backs, and uh, DeMarco Murray did not accept the tryout because he didn't want to be in that kind of committee or timeshare. He is still, I think, waiting for an injury and looking for an opportunity to be more of that lead guy. You know, Scotty and I were pontificating in the last hour about places that DeMarco Murray could wind up. We talked about Houston as, a, as an option. We talked about Oakland as an option, Indianapolis, Baltimore. Baltimore, Green Bay as potential options. Now, I know that if you're going to wait on an injury, you know, we haven't seen the injury yet. And that will be a big factor dictating where he may want to go and get this opportunity. But injury aside, where might be a place that can still use a guy like DeMarco Murray? Where do you think he might end up? We were guessing places like Houston, Indy, Green Bay. You have any other potential spot landing spots to add to the list, Jake? Maybe Baltimore, but I, I I don't know at this point. I think it's just gonna. It's what I'm. I mean, I'm not gonna move from what I said two weeks ago. I think it's just gonna have to involve an injury, or you're just gonna have to wait at this point. You, you talk about all these different factors, right? You talk about, we talk about the health concerns. We talk about how you could be kind of a young 30 or an old 30, depending on how much tread is on the tires based on your career, based on your style, you know, of running. And, and I think it's interesting. Chris Ivory is a very interesting case, you know, Scott, because you can say he has that physical running style, one that really is not happening as much in the NFL anymore as we move to this kind of passing league where it's mismatches in space, you know, the same time we say, like, you don't really need that same kind of middle linebacker who's supporting the run as much the Takeo Spikes of the world, let's say, back in the day because the game has evolved. But at the same time, when you mentioned Chris Ivory, I was like, huh, there's a case to be made that he's sort of a young 30. Also, I know he's been running in that physical style, but think about him. His time in New Orleans, he was at a big-time timeshare with, like, three other backs. His time with the New York Jets, he shared time with two or three other backs. His time in Jacksonville wasn't the lead guy. So he didn't take on, say, the wear and tear that a Marshawn Lynch did as, like, that workhorse. But at the same time, that style was so physical that it really shortens the career of certain guys. So you have to think about yeah, that I, in I, I, I wouldn't say sorry. He, I wouldn't say he's a young thirty. I mean, he's been relegated no, to a backup. That's role not what. Already. That's not what I was saying. I'm not saying he is a young thirty. I was saying that there are a number of factors that go into this, right? And yeah. when you mentioned that one of the factors is kind of the usage that they get in their career, I was saying it's interesting because Ivory didn't really have as exactly, much usage yeah. as some other backs. That's all I was it saying. Was, I'm not it was saying style. He's a young you agree 30. with me? Yeah. Yes, and that's you know what's interesting? Right. Last yesterday, Scott's fishbowl, uh, the draft started for me. Yeah, and you know that's a two quarterback league, 
So he got to the fourth round last night. I was at number nine, and when Aaron Rodgers dropped there and what's the Superflex League, I went ahead and did it. Then mm. in the second round, I got DeAndre Hopkins. The third round, I got Doug Baldwin. And I said to myself, in the fourth round, I still don't have a running back. And there you are need two a strikes. Back. <laughs> there are two strikes against LaShawn McCoy. Number one, that he doesn't have a lot around him offensively in Buffalo, which can end up being a positive thing. And number mm-hmm. two, that he's 30 years old. Well, LaShawn McCoy was the best running back left to me in the fourth round. So I ended up taking LaShawn McCoy as my top running back in the fourth round. Sure. So I started out with Rodgers, Hopkins, Baldwin, and McCoy, and I'm very happy so far. And your other point about how now there's become more of a passing league and less physical running back, when guys get drafted like Darius Geis and Rashad mm-hmm. Penny, I don't, I don't think that's well. necessarily true. Right. You know, it's interesting. They say Ronald Jones out of USC is also supposedly one of these quote-unquote violent runners. So, I mean, you know, for rookies, it probably shouldn't matter. They still got it. But there's a reason that the average NFL career is something like three and a half years long. LaShawn McCoy uh, has been accused, and and, and I, I must say this, he has been accused in an Instagram post by the friend of his girlfriend, been accused of all sorts of things, ranging from PED steroid use to child abuse to animal abuse to domestic violence and abuse of his former girlfriend. I got to tell you, Scott, I looked at some of these pictures online. They are tough to look at, okay? Now, at this point, this is all just an accusation from the woman's girlfriend. The Bills are aware of the situation. LaShawn McCoy has denied this on social media. Now, I'm not going to, I don't really want to get into the, uh, you know, kind of the police work of this all. We can let the police handle that. There are, however, some very interesting fantasy implications of it, okay? And so there's where I want to start. What I think is interesting, Scott, you know, you said you drafted McCoy in the fishbowl league, right? Yesterday, literally just yesterday, Scott, we were talking about like DeMarco Murray, right? And how he's not going to try out to be part of like a committee that he's going to want to wait for an opportunity to maybe be a full-time starter. Very, very interesting. One may have just opened up. We also yesterday, Scott, talked about Chris Ivory, how like he had that violent running style and he could be done. Well, You know, I looked at the depth chart of the current Buffalo Bills, and the number two running back is Chris Chris Ivory. You know, so, like, listen, Scotty, I mean, we could talk about the actual quote-unquote incident, what happened, who's lying, what all that is. I just – I'm going to say this. If this is true, if – this is true. Not only should LaShawn McCoy be suspended, not only should LaShawn McCoy be out of the NFL, LaShawn McCoy should be in jail if this is true. But we don't know. We will follow the developments as this happens. But some very interesting fantasy implications. What does this mean, Scott, for the Bills? What does this mean for a potential guy like a DeMarco Murray? And what does this mean? How do you treat LaShawn McCoy, especially after the experience last year with Ezekiel Elliott? I think nobody knows what's going to happen here, you know, when it comes to the NFL and how they're going to handle this, etc. Everybody wanted to guess last year with Ezekiel Elliott and draft him, but you never know what's going to happen here. You know, first it came out that McCoy was directly involved, it seemed. Now it seems like he might be indirectly involved. We're going to have to wait and find out, but... I drafted LaShawn McCoy in the fourth round of Scott's Fishbowl the other night before all this broke. And I'm like, wow, right. 
bad luck for me. But uh, for everybody else drafting, dra- drafting later, at least you know now what the story is. And I draft him from 12 to 23 in PPR ranks in the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge fantasy football package. Enter the king at checkout for a special discount because I just don't know how many games he's going to play. And then I had to move Ivory into my top 40. So, you know, now you have to consider Chris Ivory, you know, maybe as a, you know, as like an eighth, ninth round pick, something like that, because you just don't know what's going to happen. And will yeah. you know, will, will the, uh, Will the Bills, like, go out and maybe sign DeMarco Murray? Yeah, that's what I was saying. You know, that's what I was saying. I thought it was really interesting, Scott. We literally went through the possible landing spots for DeMarco Murray literally yesterday on the show. And we were talking about how he was waiting probably for, like, an injury for a legitimate starting job to open up. Well, starting jobs in the NFL can open up for a number of reasons, and maybe one has in Buffalo. A couple of other things on this, Scott. You know, other ways to play it, right? Because we talk about the fantasy impacts all the time, Scott. I also know, because I like to spend some time over at mybookie.ag. Scotty, the Buffalo Bills season win total was standing at six and a half. The Buffalo Bills season win total, when I checked this morning, A, is still up on the board. You can still make this bet, which I think is very interesting given the cloud that surrounds their best offensive player. But the season win total, Scott, moved from six and a half just down to six, half a game. Um, How do you feel about maybe getting ahead of that? Right, get ahead of it and bet the under right now before they take it off the board. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right, in this commercial break, I'm going over to mybookie.ag. If you want to go on over to mybookie.ag, don't forget to enter the promo code FNTSY. You'll get a 50% deposit bonus at checkout. Listen, Scotty, here's the thing. I got to ask you a question about this and your process, okay? Because I see, right, you lower LaShawn McCoy, and we were talking about some of your running back ranks, you know, uh, yesterday. I'm on the PPR format. I see you have in PPR him lowered down to number 23, let's say. So, so here's my question. Why, like, what do you think is the outcome here that you are, like, projecting with this kind of drop? Because to me, I think he's either going to play and he would be ranked the same for pure fantasy football. Or to be quite honest, if the league comes down on him, and I know I'm speculating here and I, and I you, you know, I understand that. But, like, I don't think this would be, like, a six-game kind of thing. Like, if this is true, this is, this is domestic violence. This is also steroids. This is also child and animal abuse. Like, you know, this could be a 16 games or the Ray Rice treatment. So I kind of feel like this is zero or the full year. But it sounds to me, Scott, by dropping him down to, like, 21 or 23, you're sort of, like – it's sort of like a half measure. It's sort of like you're, you're saying he might play, I don't know, some games, but don't want to go either way. I, I kind of thought it would be like he just stays because you're taking the stance that he is just going to play, or he's kind of like off, off the rankings completely. Tell me what you're projecting as you drop him somewhat. I'm, that all that speculation, with all respect, uh, Dane, is a complete waste of time. That nobody knows what the NFL is going to find and how they're going to react. Nobody knows outside of those doors and Park Avenue what is going to happen, what they're going to find, what they're going to take seriously, what they're not. There's a lot of accusations there. Uh, maybe some of them they'll find out to, to have some basis and some of they don't. We just don't 
No, so I. So why drop him at all? I, I I have to put him. I have to put him in, because there's a very there's a very good a chance that he will get suspended. But look, I don't know if he will or he won't. It's almost like like dealing with a guy with an injury, sort of, and you don't know, you know, what his status is going to be. If he's not injured, you know that he's going to be the full time back. But if he is, how many games is he going to play? So I have to drop him beneath basically all of the backs that I expect to be clear number ones and basically those near the most who may be in, in timeshares. I guess so. I guess here's my thing, though, Scott. Like, I, 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 I hear what you're saying, and I understand that we can't speculate that we don't know. I just I, – I, so my, my question is, like, I almost see it as when you do the rankings, it's like one or the other. Like, you either he's going to miss time or he's not. So, like, here's the way I ask you. Uh, the reason I ask you. You drop him right now. I'm looking at the PPR ranks that you got. And remember, these guys are in rotoexperts.com, the exclusive edge fantasy football package. Don't forget to enter the promo code THEKING at checkout so you can get all this insight to help you win your leagues and win that cash, right? But you know how we play, like, the kind of um, – you know, when we were doing the Christian McCaffrey thing yesterday, and we were, like, kind of yeah. ranking him, putting him in, and we were talking about, like, T.Y. Hilton, where we would move him up and down. So I kind of want to do the same thing with McCoy now, Scotty. I mean, right there, I mean, you have him right ahead in these PPR ranks, Mark Ingram, which is a, another specific kind of intricate case, right, because he's going to miss some time. But I look at the guys behind that, right? Like, let's say Royce Freeman, Deion Lewis. You have them pretty much right behind, say, LaShawn McCoy. Right. If I'm... If I'm drafting, right, like I'm looking at your ranks today, updated just yesterday with this news. If I got a draft this weekend with my boys, right, and I'm in the, oh, I don't know, whatever this would be. Let's say the fifth round, right, something like that. Right. And I have LaShawn, and LaShawn McCoy is still available, and Royce Freeman is still available, and Deion Lewis is still available. I'm not taking LaShawn McCoy. So, like, just because of this cloud, and I understand kind of what you're saying, but I'm trying to think about it from the fan, the user, the listener that is sitting there making draft decisions right now. Like, how can anybody in good conscience draft McCoy ahead of someone like Dion Lewis right now? You can't just look at the ranks in a vacuum. You know, there's okay. color behind them. That's why sure. there's articles in the site why we do these shows. You just can't yeah. look at him in a vacuum right now. Well, Sean McCoy, you know, this could turn out to be all, you know, nothing. for all we know, we could turn out to be nothing. Right. So it could at be that the girl point, you have to like ask that. yourself, you, it, it comes down to you. And, and you know, how I much can, risk I, you I, want I, to take I can, on? I can, give, I can give you all the advice you want. How risky do you want to be? Because if LaShawn McCoy gets off on this and you've got him in the fifth round and you take him ahead of. Lamar Miller or Royce Freeman or or, the, or Deion Lewis, you're going to get a nice, handsome reward, I think. But if you don't and you want to play conservative, you take the other guys. That's why I have them ranked so close. Interesting. Okay, so you're it, it's it's kind of um, if I understand you, if I understand you correctly, you're saying that you have to kind of see like how much risk you're comfortable taking. In right. that draft pick, right? Because those are my those are my ranks, but at the end of the day, it's still your draft and your team. How do you receive this news, and what were your knee-jerk reactions to seeing the social media post and hearing the news about Shady McCoy yesterday? Uh, honestly, that uh, I mean, I don't want to talk about it at all. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying don't ask more questions for the fantasy purposes. I just I'm not, you know. It's nothing no, I, I want to get. 
Uh, I don't want to get into it because it's the, we don't know. There's just too many no. ifs. I, I tweeted about it once, and I said, I'll say the same thing I said when I tweeted it and basically like pretty much just leave it at that, is that if he's guilty, lock yeah. him up, not just yeah. knock him out of the NFL. Mm-hmm. If he's completely innocent, lock her up. I All mean, right. at, yep. this, this, at this point, this, with how much this is going on, I mean, we yeah. saw the situation with Foster. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, Foster had other issues as well, but – the fact is, is you know, nowadays it's it's basically guilty until proven innocent. Right. And when something like a claim like this nowadays can ruin somebody's career. That all being said, there's been a lot of stuff that's come out since right. the accusation Home invasion stuff, all that, yeah. Right, which tends to look more like he's he's guilty of something or at least mm-hmm. be complicit. But at the same time, you know, it's just a lot of, like until a decision is made, until yep. the process has been done, until the law has been followed through, like that side of it, like I'm not going right. to con- condemn him yet. And I'm not sure. going to say that he's, you know, without I'm with cause, you, Jake. As, I'm with so you, that, Jake. We're not cops. We're not judges. We're not lawyers, right. all that stuff. Fantasy wise, though, you are a fantasy expert, right? And we are kind of sports experts. So I'm with you, Jake. I have follow up questions for the fantasy football side of it, okay? Now, here's my my first question for you. And I really want to get into your process, Jake, in ranks, okay? Because, yes, uh, in the first hour, I talked with Scott, and he said that he moved McCoy down to, like, RB23, okay, in his ranks. And I was confused a little bit by that because, to your point, I think this is kind of a binomial thing, Jake. I think this is, say, different than Zeke where it was, like, the potential of six games hanging over, right? I think this is either, to your point, if any of this is true, I agree with you. The man should not have only have played his last down in the NFL, but he should be in jail. I agree with you if this is true. Right. If, if to be quite honest, if any piece of it is true. Right. But right. if it's not true, then he's playing 16 games. So I kind right. of went to Scott and I asked him, like, I feel kind of like you dropping him down to like 22 or 23. Like that's kind of a half measure. You know what I mean? I can't see I can't see being there in a draft right now. If you got a draft this weekend and being faced with McCoy still on the board and someone like, oh, I don't know, Royce Freeman or Dion Lewis or whoever it is you have in that neighborhood. Like the question is, to me, it's a black and white thing. Either you think he's going to play. Or you think he's going to never be in the NFL again. Or, like, you are either, like, comfortable. I think it comes down to how risk-averse you are. You know what I mean, Jake? As an owner, right? Do you want to take on that risk and in a purely non-compassionate way think that it could represent value if the process plays out one way? Or do you kind of, like, avoid him altogether? I don't understand just dropping him somewhat. I think you leave him where he is or you take him off your ranks altogether. Talk to me about your process. I looked at your ranks. You haven't necessarily adjusted them for this news, but can you take me into his, into your head? as the number one accuracy ranker in the business. How do you treat this news? Is it a kind of leave them or drop them altogether? Do you drop them down like Scott and what I call something of a half measure, depending on how risk averse you are? Take me into your process, Jake. Uh, there, there's no process. It's, I'm, I'm not moving them until we have official news. You won't news. do anything it's until the, the league actually declares it's, something. It's, it's the same thing as Andrew Luck. I'm not moving him huh. down from a projection of 16 games until we hear that he won't be ready for week one. Carson Wentz, same thing. I'm projecting for okay. 16 games. If he's not ready for week one and it's going to be Nick Foles for a week or two, then I'll change it. But until okay. we hear something, there's no point in my mind. I mean, you know what you're right. getting into if you draft him. I mean, that's just – but the fact is to try and guess 
12 games, not the entire season? Because like you said, is you know I'm on the stance that it should be the entire season. If they can't find anything and right. he just happens to know the person who it was with the home invasion and the NFL decides to suspend him for six games because they have no evidence, but the NFL still wants to do their thing. Uh, I mean, I, I, would that really surprise anybody? Because no. we've seen this before. Uh, Elliott, right. 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 Right, so you know that's like I said, we have no answer right now. So you know, Ezekiel Lashawn McCoy right now is projected for playing the season. I haven't touched his you know, rankings. If they okay. signed Demarco Murray, you right. know that that would adjust. That's an indication, just, I guess. <laughs> no, well, no, that would just adjust uh, like on his touches alone and his backup being better than the fact that Chris Ivory in the next. Okay. But the fact is, is if you want to talk about for where to move him, I'm not moving him. If right. you're in the draft, obviously, if you're not comfortable taking him. As an RB2, because you're worried he might miss the entire season, then you don't take him. If right. you feel like you – I mean, this is just up to, like you said, your risk aversion, your way how you want to handle the situation. I know some people that won't draft him at all just on the fact sure. that the same thing as Jose Reyes and Aroldis right. Chapman in baseball. is like mm-hmm. you just don't want those people on your team, and that's your right as a fantasy owner. Yeah, absolutely. I hear you. So it sounds like we're, we're on the same page. And I, I, I like the way you approached it, you know, because that's what I was saying. I was a little bit uh, confused by how Scott approached it because I saw it as a half measure. You're saying I'm keeping him there until there's, you know, regardless of the kind of uh, criminal whatever it is, and you're not playing cops, right? But you're just saying you will take your cue from the NFL. If and when the NFL suspends him, then when you have kind of like the fact that relates to fantasy football, then you will make a change. And it sounds like, Jake, you're also saying if the Bills go out and do sign, say, a guy like DeMarco Murray, who hysterically, we literally talked about him yesterday, kind of waiting for a situation, unfortunately not like this, but some opportunity. And even that would only be like saying, hey, the timeshare that he's in just got better, that sort of thing. And that's the way you approach it until you actually get news from the NFL. Can I ask you two more things on this, Jake? And it will be straight football kind of aspects. We're not getting into, you know, kind of uh, the TMZ of it all, shall we say. Um, my first question is this. How do, you, how do you compare this to, you brought it up, the Ezekiel Elliott situation last year because with Zeke I was of the same kind of thing and I to be quite honest last year I was telling people erroneously I was telling people no 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 trade for Zeke because I didn't think it was going to go down until after the season I thought he was quite honestly going to miss like the first four games of this season instead of something last year and that turned out to have be wrong right there was this cloud hanging over him and it actually impacted the fantasy playoffs for Zeke owners can you compare this situation to the Zeke situation last year how you would approach it because maybe it was like this moving target. You got to figure that if this comes down, it would come down before Labor Day and you would know going into the season. Can you compare this to what owners had to deal with for Zeke Elliott last year? Or do you see it as a completely different case in terms of just playing strictly for the kind of risk aversion aspect that we were talking about? (laughs) No, I can't compare it because it's the NFL. The NFL has right. oh, it's the fact the NFL doesn't have any rhyme or reason, and the NFL yeah. does. What I, it we wants were talking to do. about this. Jameis gets three. Josh Brown gets one. But you know, Josh Gordon gets sixteen plus. Right. Right. And the fact is, if you look at it, you know, when it comes to the NFL, they have the. When I, I said this last year, they have this almost. I'd say. I don't know. I don't know what the best word for it is. It's just like almost like a Joker card, or I don't. Yeah. Know, that's not even the best one. It's just yeah. a Trump card. Is anything they want to do is anything. It's because they can say you violated 
their policy. Like they, it doesn't have to be you did this right. specifically. Like it, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be like you got a DUI, you smoked weed, right. uh, you had There's a domestic no violence situation. <laughs> right. right. And it's not like you get this amount of games, this amount of games, this amount of games, this amount of games. It's not. And like with Tom Brady, it was like four games for deflating footballs. Like he's just yep. there's nothing out there that's like, you know, it's as you said, no if it's A, reason. it's B. Like there's just like, you know, so they can do whatever they want and they have proven that they will do whatever they want. If you <laughs> violated their policy, right. they're going to just say, you know what? Well, this time we think you deserve this. So like I said, you know, the only I I'm with you as what I said at the beginning, as you reiterated what I said, I think it's kind of a black or white rare situation where it's either you're done in a football or everything's fine. Mm-hmm. That all being said, I think there's like a 10% chance that they don't find anything, but because this happened, the NFL they still got a PR. There. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna still do something. And if it was six games, wouldn't it surprise me. If it was two, wouldn't it surprise me. If it was you know six or eight, and Michelle McCoy pulls, who knows? McCoy pulls the Ezekiel Elliott and then right. tries to you know play and fight it, and then ends up getting suspended in the middle of the season. Like, that wouldn't surprise me either. So, unfortunately, we don't have an answer because the NFL is part of the reason we don't have an answer. We bring in our guy, Mike Leone, representing DailyRoto.com, where they make millionaires. How you doing there, Mike? How you doing there on a Thursday morning, bright and early? I'm doing well, guys. I like uh, Dean's rap coming in from the break. I, you know, I miss hearing Scotty's rap. <laughs> yeah, well, that was uh, Lord Tariq and Peter Guns yeah. bringing us back there, Mike Leone. Let me ask you this. We got a poll yeah, question up. Spitting Speeds always has something coming down the pike, but nothing's ever good until we get in here with our boy Mike. There you go. That's where it is. <laughs> they don't call him the king for nothing, Leone. You know what I mean? Let me ask you this. The first quick question. We got this poll question up. We're talking about guys like Shady McCoy and in the past guys like Reyes and Chapman in baseball. How do you feel? How do you handle kind of uh, the character of the players on your team? Are you uh, cold and unemotional when it comes to your fantasy team? And is that different than the real teams you root for? Um, how do you treat... How do you treat the personal character of some of these guys? Are you someone who's like, I'm not going to have Jose Reyes on any of my teams. I'm never going to draft the Roldis Chapman or a guy like Greg Hart, you know, like, or do, do you not care? And you're cheering about like numbers on a screen. Uh, I, I guess I'm somewhere in the middle where okay. I generally, you know, I try to avoid those players if I can, but at a certain point, I, uh, you know, just to be honest, I'm not going to, you know, skew the value that they have they offer if you get them at a really good price tag it's sort of like a tiebreaker for me i guess i would say Mm. all right fair enough fair enough and uh so we are here with mike leone from daily roto he's a spot every thursday we get it going and you know a lot of times in this time we talk about baseball but i want to ask you some things about football mike to start off you mentioned to me that draft is doing a million dollar best ball contest or league this year and for those of us who are new maybe to best ball formats i think it's a really interesting format for a number of reasons one you know the worst thing for me Mike, is when I have someone who goes off and they're on my bench. It happens all the time, especially a guy like a Deshaun Jackson, right, trying to figure out the week that he's going to have, like, the five catches, uh, 143 yards and two touchdowns is always a fool's errand, you know? And when best ball formats, I think – 
you know, that's taken away. Um, and and it's really all about that draft. So tell the listeners a little bit more about best ball formats, about this opportunity at draft, and then any kind of big picture things that you're thinking about in terms of strategy for best ball leagues as opposed to kind of your standard formats. Yeah, well, you make a really good point there about, you know, the annoyance of a guy going off on your bench. And sometimes yeah. in regular fantasy – it almost feels like you're being punished for drafting a really deep team, and right. then you have to make these tough decisions. Whereas in best ball, what happens is you're drafting these big benches, but your optimal lineup is being used each week. You don't actually set your lineup. It's just whatever the best lineup would have been that week gets used. So it's a really good format, too, for people like me who play a lot of DFS in season and maybe that keeps us away from playing a lot of season-long leagues because we don't want to deal with the in-season management. And, you know, for a lot of people, the draft is the most fun part. And with best ball, you know, last year I was rattling off. I mean, you can play 20-plus leagues and just rattle them off. They have an app on your phone. It's really easy. It's very uh, – they have a very nice setup in terms of your pre-draft rankings and whatnot. You could do slow drafts, too, on draft, which is really cool. So drafts with, like, an eight-hour clock. So you can pound out just a ton of drafts where you got time to think about your pick. You you know, you don't have to worry about the in-season management. So I just love the format. They also on draft, they don't have a kicker. They don't have a defense. But as it pertains pertains to this best ball championship, it's a million-dollar prize pool, $100,000 up top. These are all going to be fast drafts So with a 30-second clock. So you got to be ready for that. But it's comprised of a bunch of 12-team leagues, and you're just competing against uh, your league mates in weeks one through 12. And then if you win your league, you advance to the playoffs against all the other winners. So it's a really cool format. As far as how strategy differs, I, I think, you know, I always like a late round QB strategy, but I think in best ball format, formats especially because you get to draft, you know, three, two or three quarterbacks and you're taking the best score available you know, each week, obviously. So I think you're going to see a lot less discrepancy in the high-end scores when you're able to pick that best score out of three and it devalues a little bit having that premier quarterback up top. Now, you talk about the draft of million-dollar championship, but then there's also the NFFC and, you know, other best ball leagues where, you know, you do have to draft the kickers. You do have to draft the defenses. And, you know, the drafts are so deep. How do you attack roster construction in a best ball league? Like, how many defenses, how many kickers, how many tight ends do you draft? I know there's not one uh, one necessarily broad stroke that we can all paint with these positions because every draft is different. But, you know, talk about roster construction best ball-wise because it's so deep. Yeah, so generally what I'm trying to do is take three quarterbacks um, I'll try to skate by with two tight ends most of the time and then really just go crazy on the running back and wide receiver position. Those are the positions where uh, you don't want to take zeros. You want the ability to run into high-end scores. So I think that's going to comprise you know, the bulk of your bench. I've seen people, they try and do strategies where they're taking four or five quarterbacks, and I think with each quarterback you take after three, the marginal gain is just so small and defenses is interesting for, you know, places like NFFC that do include those where you might be tempted to only take one or two defenses, but that's a position where I could see going, you know, three defenses. And the idea is like, it's just a defense. I don't want to spend a lot of time on that, but what happens with defenses 
is the scoring is highly variant and you can see a really wide discrepancy in scores week to week. We see this in DFS all the time because of how many points, you know, a touchdown is worth for on the defensive side of things and the percentage that that takes up relative to the overall defensive scoring. So I think you want three defenses if you can cut it. Um, kickers, I think, is a spot, though, where you can get by. You want two because you want to back up at every single position. Um, but they are good leagues to definitely, you know, play a bunch of them because you can get some diversity in your player pool. And also guys are going to get hurt. And that's the thing. You don't, you know, it's nice that you don't have to worry about the in-season management. But if you do get a couple of bad injuries, you could end up taking some zeros in some spots. So it's definitely a good format to play in multiple leagues. Fair enough. Hey, we're talking with Mike Leone over at DailyRoto.com. Remember, they're doing that collaboration with DKMS. You could potentially get two tickets to the World Series games. We're doing the DKMS Trivia Challenge on our air as well. Mike, is this something where um, you would be more apt to get both sh- uh, pieces of a timeshare? Like, would you, in a best ball format, go ahead and try to get Nick Chubb and Carlos Hyde? Would you try to get Kerryon Johnson and LeGarrette Blunt? Would you try to get Royce Freeman and Devontae Booker and play it that way? Would you be more or less likely to double up on a team's timeshare like that? Like a Tevin Coleman and a Devontae Freeman? I feel like I'm in the minority, but I generally am – less likely in all leagues and in basketball formats, I think especially to mm. load up on a timeshare. Uh, I don't like hedging. A lot of the time what happens is when people are taking timeshares, that second back of the timeshare, they end up drafting earlier than usual in order to get the timeshare. The way I look at it is I'm only drafting that timeshare if I can get it for a really cheap price. And the idea is in best ball, there's no in-season management, right? You've got a finite number of players that you're going to have access to the whole season and as a result of that if you're taking two guys for one spot you're really limiting your upside now you get you know the the Tavon Coleman Devonta Freeman those are guys that can be both valuable a lot in one week so I get it a little bit but for the most part I want to be I want to give myself a chance to hit on every single draft pick and I think if you're taking timeshares especially if you're going out of your way to do it uh, you're basically capping your upside because you're hoping yeah, maybe your likelihood of hitting, you know, if you take the Green Bay backfield, you take Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, and maybe your likelihood of getting that Green Bay back is higher. But even if you hit, you've, then you, that means by you know default that you've wasted a roster spot on one of the I'm two. hoping so for an ACL injury right then. <laughs> I'm just hoping for an ACL on one of them. <laughs> oh, know? boy. Go ahead, Scotty. <laughs> oh, boy. No, no, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> The thing is, though, best ball, as we were t- I was talking about how deep it is, and, you know, you really, really have to study if you want to have to, if you want to have to uh, have any chance here. You got you have to go very, very deep on the depth charts because these, these, these drafts are deeper than any other. You know, when you're getting into those later rounds, you know, how are you identifying players? Like, sometimes you're looking at maybe like a Mac Hollins, a Mary Darbo type, and sometimes you get even deeper than that. Yeah, I mean, really what you're looking for is paths towards playing time. So last year when I was in my best ball draft, you know, a few of the guys that I was taking deeper a ton, and then like only one of them worked out. Um, but I was taking Darren McFadden with the idea of a Zeke suspension coming on. I was taking a lot of him. I was taking a lot of Jacquez Rogers. 
Uh, so these are two backs that didn't end up working out, but you could see paths of playing time, or they were expected to start the year with playing time and then also be partial players rest of the year. And you could see that path towards them being viable. The third eye guy I was taking there was Alvin Kamara, which actually did work out quite a bit. And with him, it wasn't so much path to playing time as it was a pass catching back on an elite offense. So you just want to see a route towards reasonable upside. I know that's kind of vague, but sometimes I think when you get deep into drafts, people stick to taking these pure rankings lists. And I think at a certain point in the draft, you're just chucking the rankings out the window and you're just looking at the type of player. You're trying to you know, get a sense of the range of outcomes of that player. So a guy I like a lot this year for deepers like Naheem Himes for mm. the Indianapolis Colts, a guy who's a bit of a burner, who's a really good pass catcher out of the backfield on an offense that if Andrew Luck is healthy is a big if, but if he is, is going to do very well. And you look at that running back position and there's just not a whole lot of competition. There's not a whole lot of draft capital uh, are capital in general invested in it. So you start to see the path to playing time and the fallback is that he's just a good pass catching back out of the backfield on a good offense, which you know can be a valuable piece. So you got the combination of four and upside for a later round pick there. There you go. We're talking with Mike Leone over from DailyRoto.com. He's giving us some strategies for best ball formats. If you love the draft and then you love to, quote-unquote, set it and forget it, best ball formats could be the one for you. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us, Mike. Next week, let's talk a little bit about your Scotty Fishbowl team next week and how you're letting the draft come to you. Sound good? That sounds good. You know, I did. I drafted LaShawn McCoy 40 minutes before the news broke, so... Go and get yourself some DeMarco Murray also, okay? (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll do, Dane. (laughs) All right, have a good one there, Mike. That's Mike Leone representing DailyRoto.com. Remember, you can always go on over to DailyRoto.com slash DKMS and learn more about our collaboration to help the fight against blood cancers. Weekdays, 7 a.m. Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers.